Hey everyone, I'm your host, Alex Taylor, co-founder of Parallel. Welcome to Parallel Lives, a podcast where we learn about the tireless yet vibrantly challenging role the women we admire most live in parallel to their careers and personal pursuits, becoming and being a mom. Today I'm sitting down with Allie Webb, the founder of Drybar, OK Humans, Squeeze, and Beckett and Quill. She is a New York Times bestselling author and a former shark on Shark Tank. She's also launching an incredible new series for entrepreneurs called The Impact Series. Allie and I met years ago at, where else? The hair salon. We were both getting our hair rinsed and started chatting. And I realized, first of all, whoa, I'm talking to the founder of Drybar. But more importantly, wow, she is such an amazing person. Since then, she's become a great friend and mentor of mine. And I'm so excited to share her story about her journey as not only an entrepreneur and a mom, but as evolving herself as a human first. So I hope you enjoy our chat. Allie, thank you so much again for being here. You were wholly focused on dry bar. And since then, you've become kind of a multi-hyphenate and done (laughs) so much. But tell me what you've been up to lately. I was in the thick of things of dry bar. And it is crazy to to think about where I was then in that moment to like where I am now and how much my life has changed in every conceivable way. Right before the pandemic, we were kind of on a path to sell the business and dry bar. And we did end up selling the product division to Helen of Troy. I guess it was 2019. It was like January and the world fell apart in February. So that was really exciting. And, and it was bittersweet, you know, I mean, the product line was so much my baby. I mean, I, I I created it and it's weird to kind of not hand it over, but that's like essentially what it feels like, you know? And so anyways, we, we sold that, which was such a great, I mean, it's so good for us that we did that right before the pandemic. Although the product line continues to like, the numbers are incredible. So it's so good. The dry conditioner is a staple in my, my beauty arsenal. So (laughs) I love that one. There's so many great products. I'm so proud of it. And will always feel like mine on some level. But but yeah, so we sold that. And then the pandemic hit and our plans for what we were doing for the stores kind of, kind of shifted. And I'm not really involved in the day-to-day operations anymore. I still am on the board, but my my life looks very different. And, and really, I don't do a lot with dry bar anymore, which was like a slow transition out. And I was already kind of taking steps to to change my role a bit. And so it's been a really, you know, interesting time. So there was like that time, which was a couple of years before the pandemic. And then my life really kind of fell apart there for a couple of years. I was going through a divorce. I was stepping out of dry bar, which was my, really my identity, you know? And so there's been a lot of reinvention. And I think that like, to some degree, we're kind of always reinventing ourselves, but this was a big one. And And so I've spent the last couple of years trying to figure out what I want to do now. And we started Squeeze, which is our massage concept that we started a couple of years ago, which is really the brainchild of my brother, Michael Landau, who's my forever business partner. And he wanted to do that. And I think, you know, Brittany Driscoll, who was our head of marketing at Drybar, she now is the CEO of Squeeze and our co-founder. And that business was so great pre-pandemic and like just doing unbelievably well, like all five star reviews and Yelp's a crick crazy. But then that got shut down. So then now it's coming back. So I'm an advisor and advisor in that. We also started this OK Humans, which is like a kind of talk therapy walk-in. Yeah. Ironically, right across the street from Dry Bar in Brentwood. I saw it in Brentwood. It's so beautiful. 
things. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another really exciting endeavor and I'm an investor advisor in that. And then I've joined a couple of boards and I've being on boards was, was really something that I decided I wanted to do because I wanted to get familiar with other companies and, and learn mm-hmm. other things. So I joined the board of Ideal Image, which is like the biggest medical spa in the country and Onsite, which was really Onsite Foundation. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they really kind of saved me when I was going through it. And and then I'm now, you know, I'd say one of the one of my bigger projects this year, in addition to Beckett and Quill, is writing a book. The book was a long time in the making. I spent probably over a year writing the outline for it. Wow. And then hoping somebody would want to buy it. And, but that was, that was pretty exciting. And it's, it's a memoir, you know, it's really the whole story of my life and all the craziness that happened. And I hope it inspires people. And I, I really, I don't want it to be this very like self-indulgent. Let me just talk about myself for a whole book, but more like, let me, what I learned and what help me. And I think sharing our stories, people see themselves or find hope or connection. And I think it's so important that we all share our stories because sometimes you don't hear about something and you feel so alone or isolated. And also just knowing that there's different ways to get from point A to B. So true. And I think that I feel so compelled to do this book because, and maybe it's just me. I don't think it is. I really like knowing the behind the scenes of the people that I love and follow. Like I want to know more about their lives and their stories and their ups and downs, you know, business, personal, like to me, I think this was something that Adrian, my fiance really changed or taught me or whatever in me that business and personal are very interconnected. So my, my perspective on that has shifted so much. And, and, and I agree with what you said, when you understand more of what other people are going through, what they're dealing with, it does somehow make us feel like, Oh, Okay. I'm cool. <laughs> Part of what I love about why we want to do okay humans is the more like we're all, hey, we're all, we all have our shit and we all have stuff that's hard to do with. And so you have been so busy and such an inspiration, but also so real. And it's so refreshing because as a female entrepreneur myself, it's very intimidating. There is a culture and it it's just nice to know that there's really wonderful humans like you that are changing the conversation and doing it differently. What you're doing professionally is just incredible. And I know you you mentioned something that's so important that, you know, wherever you show up, you're, you're your whole self and your personal world comes with you. And, you know, our goal with Parallel and, and on this podcast is to really explore that other side that we don't typically hear about in the media. Yeah. And obviously you, you are a mom to two. You have Kit and Grant, both teenage boys. So, wow, I can't wait to hear how that's going. <laughs> but I'd love to kind of rewind a little bit and go way, way back. Did you always know that you wanted to be a mom? I really did. I mean, I felt like... I, as, soon, as early as I can remember, I, I wanted to have a baby. And I remember watching moms and babies and the way babies would hold on to their moms and the way you couldn't usually hold a baby because the baby always wanted its mom and the baby would just be like holding on to the mom. And, and there was just something really sweet about that to me that I always like, so I always just kind of loved couldn't, could not wait to have children. And when I was 18, I moved to New York and I met Cam, my ex-husband, when I was in my mid twenties and let's get married, let's have kids. You know, it was interesting when I met other people who were like, they were going to wait a couple of years and enjoy being married. And I was like, what? I just want to have kids, you know? And, and, <laughs> and Sam was a little like blindsided by that too. And he was like, well, do you really like so fast? You know, I just could not wait. But what's interesting is that I, I really loved the baby phase. Like I loved when my kids were like little babies. And I think that I 
This sounds so stupid, but I like I didn't like think it through. And then when they got older, turned into like little crazy toddlers. I was like, oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about this part. I thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, but I was going to be Cam with five years and two kids. And Grant and Kit were two and four actually when I started Drybar. When I right around the time. So I think I stayed home pretty much for five years with my kids, which now seems like such a long time. But at the time it was like when Grant was first born, and I I know you've experienced this too, it really was magical as it can get. He was a great baby. He was an easy baby. He was a sweet baby. It was just this very, very magical time. And then when my second son was born, which I was so excited to have another kid, it was just, in the beginning, it it was easy. And you know this too. In the beginning, it was like, he's a baby. And I have a toddler and a baby, which kind of feels like two babies, but it's manageable because I'm just carrying him. Yeah. And then once he started crawling, I remember thinking, I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. I'm I'm at that phase right now. (laughs) You know, and then I also kind of started to feel like, you know, I was spending my days with little babies and toddlers and I felt so like I wasn't using my brain in the way I wanted to. I felt so uninspired. And it's not that I didn't love my kids. I love being with my kids. And I, but I just wanted something for like myself again. And I think the selflessness of being a mom, especially two kids under five is like, you know, that was what was hard for me. I think it was like the constant being needed (laughs) constantly. Um, And just, I just needed to change to change it up. Was it that experience that really drove you to start straight at home, right? And that would eventually become Drybar, right? And I did try a couple other little things. Yet I had this whole background of hair, and and I and it was like literally a moment I remember, like yesterday when sitting in my living room in my little apartment in Santa Monica, and I was like, I think I'm going to start a mobile blowout business. I can do blowouts in my sleep. I'm really good at them at this point. I've been doing hair forever. And, and I was like, and I'll go to people's houses and while their babies are sleeping, I'll come in and do a blowout. And I'll, I think I thought I had the inside of feeling like if I didn't charge that much money, because I knew to get someone to come to your house to do a blowout, you know, it's easily 150 bucks. Totally. And so I was like, maybe I should just make it like cheap enough where pe- like a lot of people will call me and, and me and Paige were like, yeah, two twenties, like that's easy. You know? So I charged like 40 bucks. Cam made me like a website. It was a one page website called, we named it straight at home. And I started, I, as soon as I started posting about it and I was posting it at, at, at like the pump station in Santa Monica, I put up, I literally put up like a flyer and I started getting calls, which, you know, the marketer in me like kind of loved that part the most getting the business. And yeah, I just got so busy so fast. And I was, I don't think I may have lost money. I definitely didn't make money because between paying a babysitter $20 an hour running all over town, I was maybe doing like three or four blowouts a day. But it was like, it was snowballing and the, you know, everybody was telling their friends about me because I was like cheapest game in town and I was good. It, it really like eventually like informed my decision to start Drybar because I was getting so busy at this $40 price point. I was like, oh my God, I think that women, if there was a place for women to just get a blowout that was cheap enough, but good, you know, that, and, and then the ambience and all the other things that we dreamt up, that was the initial like germ of the idea. Kind of was almost born out of the fact that you needed something more than what you were doing at home as a mom. And as you transitioned into that and it became bigger, were there ever moments where you were afraid to make concessions in your role as a mom or how, how, what was that like? I mean, there was a side of me that to your point felt like, you know, I, 
a hundred percent was driven in this direction because I was like, this being a stay at home mom is not the thing for me. And there was a little bit of guilt associated. I mean, a little bit, there was tons of guilt associated with that because Pam was so supportive and he was like, I just want you to, you know, be happy and do what makes you happy. And you know, my mom at the time, I was so lucky that she was able to really help me with the kids as Drybar was really ramping up. And I was so busy and my life got so turned upside down. And she was there and able to really, I mean, she she truly was like a second mom to my boys, which was like, I really don't know what it would have been like had I not had my mom, because then the kids would have been with nannies all the time. And I didn't, I didn't love that idea. But I don't know what I would have done. Not to say there's anything wrong with that. I just, I was just lucky. So now you've transitioned from a mom into this entrepreneur running this business and you do all the things now. Do you think of yourself in these two roles as mom versus entrepreneur and founder? I mean, all these different things. Like, are you a different person in these roles or how do they kind of conflate into one? It's a hard question to answer because I think of like, I compartmentalized it a lot back then, you know, where it was like toggling between mom and running a business and going back to mom. And and I remember having a lot of conversations with my boys in those times because there was a lot of, why are you always traveling, mommy? Why aren't you here? Why do you have to open stores in New York? Can't you just do them here? I was on the road a lot. I was traveling a lot and that was definitely hard on them. And But I got to say, at the end of the day, I think that they, just like my parents were entrepreneurs too. And so I saw this from them. I like kind of make give my mom shit when I was little, like, why aren't you a cookies and milk mom? I would say, because like, oh yeah, friends who came home and their moms were making cookies and my mom wasn't that mom. And so, you know, I don't know. I think it was like a kind of like a whiplash between the two. I I always felt like once you became a mom, you were, there was like a soft softness to you and to anybody, to women in general. I felt like if a woman was a mom, she would understand things in a way that a woman who wasn't a mom didn't. You know, I don't want to like alienate people who don't have kids or don't want to have kids because I can also make the argument for that too. But I, I remember like feeling for myself, like it really softened me becoming a mom in a lot of ways. And it's been interesting after my divorce and my life changing, how I feel like I like went through another massive transition of becoming what my brother affectionately would call me as Ali 2.0, where I just, a lot of what was happening to me in the last couple of years before my divorce was like, I was very high strong. You know, there were so the stakes were so high with dry bar. And I think I was so tightly wound. And then when the divorce happened and my life fell apart in a lot of ways, it was such a like rebirth of like, you can be like a bit of a like raving bitch. You need to chill out. And that rebirth changed me a lot. So describe that softness. Is it like you had more empathy for other people? Did you learn that you could carry that over into your role as a leader and as a business person? Totally. There was things I was deeply unhappy about my personal life that I was not dealing with. And so we heard what we resist persists, you know, and it just comes out sideways, right? Yeah. My mom passed away about six years ago. And when that happened, you know, my mom really loved Cam and knew I was kind of unhappy and didn't want me on her deathbed was like, don't leave him. You know, it was so so crazy. I think because I was, I wasn't happy. We weren't, the marriage wasn't really working and I knew that, but I kept just pushing it away. You know, I think that manifested itself a lot of anger and frustration when I was just trying to fill this void or this hole. And I think People do that in a lot of different ways. And I think also, in addition to that, I was very snappy. Cam and I you know, would argue a lot. I was snappier with my boys, which of course I was snappier with people at work. And I was just 
just, I think, tightly wound is probably the way I can describe it. Just like really quick to be mad. And you're in this this role where you're running a company and you're at the helm of it and you just, everybody kind of expects you to know everything, have all the answers, be in, you know, and you're just like, like you're this magical person. And I was like, yeah, that is, that is very stressful. And so I was like about to combust and explode, you know, and, and I think I finally did when the marriage ended and then my role changed in dry bar and all these things that were the pressure cooker of my life changed so much. And so that I think the softness came in this like, kind of just letting it all go. And I think when you've been through a a very humbling divorce and your life has changed and your your identity changes and all of that, which is what happened to me, it humbles you, which then now has made me softer in the ways of business because I think I, I approach things so much different. Like I try to hear other people out more than I used to. I try to be like really you know, to say like, I don't know, do you know, like, I don't have the answer to that question, you know, instead of pretending and and like fake it till you make it. And now I'm much more apt to be like, I don't actually know. And let's figure it out together versus trying to like hide it and have all this shame about not knowing the answer, not knowing what to do. And I don't really carry that stuff the way I used to. That's amazing. I mean, you've had such a beautiful transformation. And I think just showing what you've learned and admitting what you didn't know and what you know is just so empowering. And obviously you met your incredible fiance, Adrian. I love following him on Instagram. He's such a wealth of knowledge and inspiration. And it's been so cool to see you guys come together. But since bringing him into your life, what do you think the most valuable thing is that he's taught you that maybe has influenced your role as a mother? Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, he came into my life also at a point where Grant was going through a really hard time about three years ago, right around the time we got separated. And I was really struggling, you know, trying to pick myself back up. I went into a really bad depression after my divorce. And so I was like really trying to figure my own shit out. Meanwhile, my son, who was at the time like 14 or so, was also going through his own shit. I met Adrian after I had kind of come out of my funk a bit and was feeling better and doing better. But then Grant was very much in the throes of it. And Adrian really helped me with that of re like figuring out how to be a better parent and how to like relate to my kids. Because when you have a long time until this happens, but now that I'm in like the throes of the teenage years, maybe you remember this conversation. My kids, I will. (laughs) Grant was starting to go through his stuff. And he was like being really rebellious and doing all this crazy shit. My instinct was like to be mad and you know lay down the law and whatever because we're the parents and we have to do this. What I learned through a lot of ways, but especially through Adrian, was like I needed to like talk to him and I needed to figure out why this stuff was happening. And I think that really any kids that are going through this, which I now know, is that you got to be curious about what's going on with your kid and not sure boundaries and punishment and things like that play into all of this. But like, I needed to understand and get a lot more curious about why he was doing the things he was doing and why he was making these decisions. And I think when I was, when I first met Adrian, him and his business partner, they put on these seminars and they do this stuff. And I went to some of them and I learned so much about how to talk to my kids and how to relate to my kids and how to not be that parent. That's just, I feel like the generation I grew up in and maybe you too was like, do as I say, not as I do. And, you know, you didn't talk to your parents about a lot of things, you know, and, um, 
you know, it's like I needed to like understand why he was struggling, what what was what was underneath it all, which he eventually did, and um, <clears throat> versus the like just telling him what he should be doing, and you know, the fact that he got this whole his own life experience that really le- lended a lot of help to me, and and then you know, the fact that he coaches people for a living, and when I first met him, I always thought like, so do you just give people like advice on like what they should do with their lives, and he's like not at all. Like I get them to <laughs> think about things differently. And he really did that for me and, and really helped me. Yeah. What an amazing support to have through that. And also for your, what a gift for your son and to teach that lesson. It reminded me of something I went through last night with my toddler that feels very parallel, pardon the pun, but my son was acting out and being a nightmare. And finally, my husband did something. He slows down and he looks at my son, Preston. He goes, Presley, why are you upset? What's upsetting you? And he said it in such a way that really slowed Presley down and made him feel like he was being heard and that my husband wanted to understand why. And it ends up, he just wanted us to put his t-shirt back on so that he could take it off himself before bath. And when we did that, he was happy as could be. Sometimes we just need to be heard and need someone to listen and that's what I've learned from your story. And it's so yeah. powerful and so true. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a good piece of parenting advice that you shared that I'm sure other people who are listening to this will take because it is true. And and I remember therapists telling us this. I mean, we've been to therapy forever. And I remember therapists saying, a kid that age has no control over anything in his life. Nothing. He controls nothing. Everybody else is completely in control of everything. So something that it seems so silly, like taking off his own shirt, like what does it matter? You know, exactly. It's the one thing he can control. He can actually be in charge of taking off the shirt and you took that away from him and he's fucking pissed. And it's, it's so funny. Yeah. I mean, that's so great that your husband did that. And such a, like a good lesson to like, just ask them and talk to them about what's going on. And I, I didn't really do that when my kids were young. I now do it. And, but it's, it's such a good yeah. Well, we don't know. And we learn this thing, all of this through trial and error really is the is the reality of it. And looking at you bringing Adrian into your family, like what have some of those highlights been kind of blending your lives together? Because he has some, he has little kids too, right? Yeah. When when my, my older son Grant was going through all the things he was going through, and I, I read so many different things. And one of the things I read somewhere was teenage boys need some another male prominent figure in their life that's not their father while they're like becoming a teenager because there's things that they're gonna talk about with their dad but having another male figure in there, I mean it's just so crazy Adrian you know has been so great about not trying to be like their dad he doesn't try to be their dad he really just tries to be their friend they really love him and he's super evolved he's so much more even than I am I mean he's neurotic and has his own shit but like he's He's definitely the calm in the house and he's the one who kind of keeps us all together. And he's been a tremendous impact on my boys and they really love him. And, and they have a really amazing dad too. And their you know, their dad kind of provides them certain things. And Adrian is kind of this other really amazing influence on their life. And I'm, I'm so grateful they have both of them really. And, and I think for, for me with like his kids who are gosh, almost eight and six, I met them when they were three and five and it's a roller coaster. And I think like we talked about when my kids were at like this toddler age of three and five, like I was like hightailing it out of there. You know, when my kids were that age, I was like, I, I didn't like have nice furniture in the house because I knew like they would mess it up. And now I'm like, yeah, back to toddlers. So I'm a little neurotic about 
their stuff and that stupid shit like that, which I have to check myself on. It's just stuff and whatever. But, but it's hard because you've like moved through that chapter already and you're revisiting it now and it's stirring up all those thoughts and feelings from that, those moments. So yes, exactly. And that's where luckily because of how amazing Adrian is and we figured out things that work for us. And th- I, I think it's actually important that I have time alone with my kids and just me and my kids. And I think it's important that he has time when the kids' kids are here, that he's just with them. And so it's been a really interesting process for us to figure out how to make it work. And in the beginning, I think I felt like he got divorced when his kids were very, very little. So he's not really ever had a partner that he's like done it with. So I think when we first met, I wanted to be that and then realized, wait a second, I don't think that's exactly who I am. So it's really, really interesting which I think it'll be an ongoing evolution as we, as the kids get older and all of that. So it's been really interesting. Yeah. But it's beautiful. You have to figure out how to blend all the lines and what works for you and him. You know, there's things that are going to be different. It's really beautiful. And it's been fun to watch you guys on that journey on social. And also the fact that you're so open about it, I think is so refreshing. And I feel like you have such a strong relationship with your boys. Like you really very close to each other. And, you know, what are some things that you've done to nurture that closeness? I think I was always close with them. And then after Grant went through all the stuff he went through, we just learned how to like talk to each other again. And you know, it's a, it's a delicate balance of like towing the line. And I think a lot of parents would probably disagree with this, but like being their friend. And I genuinely have a good time with my kids. Like I really like them. I really, really love this age. They're so fun and they're real people and I can like curse in front of them. It's just, they're like friends, you know? And I mean, they're still obviously parenting and, and we're all pretty good about like shifting into all of our different roles as we need to. But, but I think, to, you know, to answer your question, I think the biggest learning is just, is being really transparent with them about what's going on for me, what's going on for them. Like, you know, I talk to my kids about myself. I don't try to keep much, you know, I mean, some things from them, of course, but I, you know, I'm really open with them about what's going on for me, what I'm feeling, what I'm dealing with. And I think that like, that has like, keeping it very open has been a huge part of why our relationship is, is the way it is. So you have so many different roles that you nurture, right? When it comes to yourself, though, how do you fill your cup when you need to reaffirm who you are and nurture yourself? How do you take care of you? Well, I rank high on the self-care list. I write in like a daily gratitude thing that I think is really grounding for me. And then it's like, I like getting in bed at the end of the night and watching like a show that takes me out of reality. You know, there's lots of different touch points in the day where I get that recharge. Also like working out, I work out almost every morning or do Pilates or do something. And all of those little things that, that come in different spurts are important to, to me and to like feeling grounded. And, you know, it goes in, in waves depending on what's going on. And sometimes I'm busier, but I will tell you one of the things I learned from the craziness of dry bar was making sure to always carve out that time. I mean, you have to do what you need to do so that you can show up as your best self too, for yourself in your other roles, for your partner, your children. I think it's something that in previous generations, it was kind of glamorized to be the martyr and give it all up. And now we're realizing it's so important, you know, the old oxygen mask adage. So yeah, I love that. So getting back to some kind of more mom focused questions, I have a couple of kind of rapid fires for you. What is your most proud mom moment? There's so many of them. I don't think of it as like 
big things. You know, I think of it as like, you know, kind of watching Kit, my younger son, who was arguably the harder one when he was younger, how he's transitioned into this mature, really sweet, caring kid where he was such a tough baby and he was he, he wasn't terribly empathetic most of his life. And then all of a sudden he's like become this really sweet kid. And even just yesterday, speaking of proud moments, we were, we were um, out with the little ones, Adrian's kids, and he kind of took them and watched them. So me and Adrian could do, go and do something. And I remember like, it's just not like him to be that kid. Grant's like that a lot, but like me and Kit. And, and I remember feeling like a lot of pride in how he like rose to the occasion. And he, he continues to do that and show that to me. And, so a couple more questions for you. You've mentioned Brene Brown and Maria Shriver as having been, you know, mama bears in your life, especially, you know, after the loss of your mother, which I'm really sorry. I'm sure that does not get easier. What have they offered you that you've carried into your role as a mother? You know, what are some of those important insights that really help you? Brene was so helpful and she introduced me to onsite and she really instilled this, you got to take care of yourself. I think she was the first person who ever said to me, like the only way through is through, you know, and Maria Shriver, I don't talk to her much anymore and here and there. And she'll always just be really special to me because she was somebody who was basically like, get your ass out of bed. She's like, you got to stop doing that. She was like tough love. Maria was very much like, you can't wallow in this stuff. You got to just keep going and get on with your life, which is like a very motherly maternal thing to say. Absolutely. And it's probably tough when you're someone at your chapter in life, you are, you know, people are looking to you and sometimes you need someone to, to care for you and support you in that way. And that's really neat. Wow. What incredible people to have in your life. So to wrap up, my last question is, what is the most valuable thing you've learned about yourself through your journey of being a mom? Probably like having more patience and humility with my kids. We don't know what we're doing when we first have kids and we're just kind of like stumbling along, figuring it out. And and I think it is very similar and parallel to how when you're, you know, you've started a business and you have that overwhelming feeling like I have to know everything and I have to have all the answers for everybody and I have to make sure everybody else is okay. You know, of course we're like that exact same way with our kids. Um, and I think when you can humble yourself, I mean, I, and that's probably something I've, I've learned from Adrian. Like I've seen him get upset with his kids and like get on their level and be like, I'm struggling right now and I'm about to lose my temper and I don't want to lose my temper. And, and just like kind of, you were saying with your son talking to the kids and probably the biggest lesson I've learned is just like to be really real and honest with my kids about what's happening with me. And I, and, and it kind of softens all of us when I can do that. Yeah. I love that. Wow. Well, you are the real deal. So you can follow along with Allie on Instagram at Allie Webb. Be sure to check out your impact series, which I can't wait to learn more about. Thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, congratulations. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. It's been such a great conversation. Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. Stay tuned for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com or on Instagram at Parallel Health. I'm Alex Taylor and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Parallel, 
We are a prenatal vitamin and supplement solution that adapts to your changing body's needs throughout your motherhood journey. All of our products offer the highest quality bioavailable ingredients at doctor-recommended doses tailored to each unique phase. Preconception, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, and postpartum and beyond. Because your prenatal vitamin shouldn't be one size fits all. Sign up for our newsletter at parallelhealth.com to learn more.